0: Good morning, everyone. Um, Thank you for being here at Fresh Vision Church. Um, Before we get into God's Word, let's uh, come to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to speak with us. Heavenly Father, we come before you now to thank you for another great and glorious day that you've blessed us with, Lord. Thank you for bringing us here safely. And we know that you have a plan and purpose for bringing us here, Lord. And so now that we're about to open up your Word, I pray that our eyes and our ears and our minds and our hearts may be open to what you have to say to us, Lord. Many of us are going through many difficult issues and problems and situations, and we desperately need some encouragement from you, Lord. We need to hear from you. And we know that your word can do that. We believe that your word can give us hope and the encouragement we need. So meet us where we're at, Lord fill us with your Holy Spirit, and just bless this time that we have together. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, we're going to be in Judges chapter 7, Judges chapter 7, and we're going to be picking up um, where we left off uh, from last week, and that is, again, Judges chapter 7, Verse 1 Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, and everyone who was with him, got up early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them, below the hill of Morah, in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many people for me to hand the Midianites over to you, or else Israel Israel might brag, I did it myself. Now announce in the presence of the people. Whoever is fearful and trembling may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 of the people turned back, but 10,000 remained. Then the Lord said to Gideon, There are still, still too many people. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. If I say to you, This one can go with you, he can go. But if I say about anyone, This one cannot go with you, he cannot go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, separate everyone who laps water with his tongue like a dog. So the same with everyone who kneels to drink. The number of those who lapped with their hands to their mouths was 300. And the Lord and all the rest of the people knelt to drink water. The Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with the 300 men who lapped and hand the Midianites over to you. But everyone else is to go home. So Gideon sent all the Israelites to their tents, but kept the three hundred, who took the people's provisions and their trumpets. The camp of the Midian the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. I titled this morning's message Let's Do This. Because that is what God is essentially telling Gideon now. Okay, I've given you the signs. I've given you everything you need to know to show you that I'm going to be there for you. And that I will give you the victory. And so now Gideon um, is now at that, in a position where he can have that victory. That victory is his if he just takes it. So when we finished chapter 6 last week, we were left wondering how Gideon might have responded to that last sign that God had given him the last request concerning the fleece and we'll hear it's evident that Gideon finally accepted the Lord's call to divine service but just to ensure that Gideon that Gideon's doubts and fears have been removed what we see here in the beginning of this passage is that God now tests the strength of Gideon's faith and trust And he does this by stripping him of the only thing he may be tempted to depend on more than God. Now, 32,000 armed soldiers that were with Gideon may seem like a small force compared to the enormous army they were facing. But for God, 32,000 was still too many. You see, for God, it wasn't about the numbers. It was about making it clear that the credit for this victory would belong to him alone. He knew that even with the numerical odds against them, the entire nation would be tempted to believe that they did it without the help of God. So he instructs Gideon to tell all those who are scared of fighting the army that was down below to go home. And when Gideon says this to them, when he tells them all, if you're scared, go home, he sees nearly sixty. 9% of the of his fighting force do exactly that. They packed up and went home. Now seeing that must have been jaw dropping, but Gideon and the 10,000 that stayed behind were adamant that they were going to fight even if it meant certain death. They were not going to live in fear and terror any longer. However, even with those 10,000 men, God told Gideon that that was still too many. So he instructs them to, get, to take them to get some water Well, he will sift more of them out with a test. Now once Gideon takes all 10,000 of these men to go get water, the Lord reveals to him that he will test them by how they would drink water that was in front of them. So by the time this test was complete, 300 men had passed and would be the ones God would use to beat the Midianites. And so by the time God was done selecting his army, less than 1% of the original 32,000 men who came to fight with Gideon remained. As a former Marine, we take pride knowing we're considered the few and the proud. But these 300 men whom God selected were the few, the proud, the brave, the courageous, the strong. They were the definition of that phrase. This encourages me and it ought to encourage anyone who's been, in, who's been called to lead or be part of a ministry that God isn't concerned about strength and numbers. He cares more about the strength and courage of the heart. Borrowing from a well-known cliché, for God, for God, quality is more important than quantity. Those who want to be part of a church that God uses mightily need not look at its size, but, but rather ought to see if those who are part of it have the passionate courage, strength, and bravery to accomplish the mission God has given them. You see, numbers are irrelevant to God. What matters more to him is a faithful and obedient heart. Keep in mind that out of the 32,000 men that came to fight with Gideon, less than 1% had the qualities God was looking for. And we see several examples in the Bible that God just used a small number of men to achieve great things. For example, don't forget that in Jesus that when Jesus began his ministry, he didn't begin with hundreds or thousands, but with just twelve men who he used to change the world. Deal Moody once said, Small numbers make no difference to God. There is nothing small if God is in it. Knowing this helps me helps to remind me to be less concerned with how many people are coming to this church and, and just instead stay focused on helping those who are here to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Another encouraging factor I see in this passage is that God does the sifting and the selecting. Already, in just the 17 months since we started Fresh Vision Church, we've seen many people come and go for various reasons. On a few occasions, I believe that certain individuals had what it took to be great leaders here, but God eventually showed me that it wasn't up to him. Or I'm sorry, that it wasn't up to me, but it was up to him. Once I understood the importance of trusting in his selection process, God came through and brought the right person, brought the right people to help lead this church. I've also learned to trust that he, not me, will put it in a person's heart to make Fresh Vision Church their home church. This is why our doors are open to anyone or that we don't have a formal selection process, or I'm sorry, a formal membership process. People are free to come and go as they please. Because again, it's God who puts it in a person's heart, whether they will stay or whether they will go. Ultimately, it all boils down to this. God chooses whom he wants, even if we don't like it, or it doesn't make sense to, to us. If God can use someone with a past like mine to start and lead this church, then it would be wrong of me, it would be hypocritical of me to refuse anyone from coming through those doors. I completely trust in God's process of sifting and selecting, and I ask you to do the same with anyone who wants to be part of this church, regardless of their background, regardless of what they look like, regardless of what they may even smell like we have to allow God to do the sifting and selecting. I want us to treat everyone who comes through those doors with the same love and compassion God gave us when we first came to Him. You see, I used to be that guy that sat in the back of a, the church on a Sunday morning, completely hungover, smelling like day-old beer. A sinner someone that was just completely broken, lost and yet God still used me he still I, 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 at times when I think about it it just completely boggles my mind but in the same way we ha- that's what we have to look how we have to look at others who come here because we don't know what they're dealing with and so we have to love them the same way Christ loved us. He's a great, loving, and amazing God. And again, if he can do that with me, he can do the same with others. Again, don't, we shouldn't be judging others just by the way they look, the way they smell. Anybody that comes to those doors will be welcomed with loving arms. Alright, let's move on to our next uh, portion, our next passage and see what happens next. Picking up in verse 9. Judges chapter 7, verse 9. That night the Lord said to him, Get up and go into the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go to the camp, go with Pura, your servant. Listen to what they have to say. Listen to what they say and And then you will be strengthened to go to the camp. So he went with Purah, his servant, to the outpost of the troops who were in the camp. Now the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the Ketamites had settled down in the valley like a swarm of locusts. And their camels were innumerable as the sand in the seashore. When Gideon arrived, there was a man telling his friend about a dream. He said, Listen, I had a dream. A loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp, struck a tent, and it fell. The loaf turned the tent upside down so that it collapsed. His friend answered, This is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the Israelite. God has handed the entire Midianite camp over to him. So now after having sifted out, the man he will use to fight alongside Gideon in this portion of scripture God is not ready and eager to start this battle with these 300 men and as i said in the beginning he's like yeah okay let's do this let's go however just to relieve any hints of fear and doubt that Gideon may have God instructs him and his servant Pura to go into the enemy camp to listen to what's being said when they do the first thing they notice is the amount of any enemy forces the Midianites the Amalekites and the Ketamites had combined had had together there were just so many that a metaphor had to be given to describe its size but if instead of staying distracted by what he sees Gideon focuses, focuses on what God told him to do. Listen to what they say. And sure enough, once they get there, once they get to the outpost of the camp, he overhears a conversation two men are having of a dream one of them had about a loaf of barley bread devastating a tent. So for the friend listening to this dream, he absolutely knew what it signified. Gideon then hears this friend interpret the dream to mean that the Midianite camp would be knocked over by none other than the sword of Gideon. Gideon also realizes the, re- the demoralizing effect this would cause throughout the enemy camp the more it spread. And at that moment, every doubt within Gideon was eliminated. And it confirmed to him that this would could be nothing more than the fulfillment of God's promise in verse 11. And to relieve any other possible doubts within the other 300 men, he had the witness of Purah as reliable proof that he wasn't leading them on a suicide mission. I think many would agree with me when I say that God often encourages us the most when we stop talking about a problem and, just, and staring at it. And just start listening to what he has to say about it. If you're dealing with a difficult situation or a problem, and are in need of some encouragement, then just make an effort to listen. And here are certain ways, here are particular ways you can do that. Firstly, listen to what God wants to tell you through his word. Everything you've ever needed to know about anything can be found in the pages of Scripture if you take the time to diligently search for it. And when you find it, His Word will give you hope and encouragement. In Romans 15.4 it says, For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the Scriptures. When God speaks to you through the Bible, His Spirit that lives within you will give you the wisdom to understand it. God, speaking through Solomon, wrote in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1-5, through 5, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding, Furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Number two, listen to what God wants to tell you through other people. For example, He will often encourage you through the preaching of God's Word and through the fellowship with other believers. When God spoke, when God speaks to those whom He has gifted, the truth spoken from them come from God and not from themselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13 says, We also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. Now how do you know if they're speaking God's words? I think this again the spirit that's within you will tell you that it is it it just will drive it, it will be like a spear going in through your heart you'll just know and those truths they speak will either convict or encourage you so that ultimately your faith and trust in God will mature and strengthen now also what I find absolutely amazing about God is that in this passage it shows us that he can practically use whatever means necessary to speak to you and to encourage you. These two men Gideon over her talking didn't know the God of Israel. They didn't know, they weren't Hebrews. They weren't believers. They were Canaanites. They were heathens. They worshiped Baal and the Asherah. They were enemies of God. Yet God gave one of them the dream and to another the interpretation. And as a result, Gideon received the encouragement he needed. He, God was the one who gave the dream. God was the one who gave the interpretation. Those men didn't realize it and didn't know it. But Gideon knew. So that's why I think it's important you keep your spiritual ears open wherever you're at. Whether it's at work, at school, on the bus, in your car, in that van pool, on the subway, wherever you may be, even if it's at home watching TV or listening to a radio, listening to the radio. You never know when God can speak to a certain truth to you just by a few words that are spoken. Keep your ears open your spiritual ears wide open like an antenna. And thirdly, listen to what God wants to tell you through prayer. We often come to God in prayer doing all the talk, talking, but neglect or forget the importance of listening when we pray. Henry Blackaby, in his book Experienc- Experiencing God, wrote, What God says in prayer is far more important than what you say. Prayer is designed more to adjust you to God than to adjust God to you. You need to pray because of what God wants to do in and through your praying. God often speaks and encourages us through His Spirit, through prayer. Sometimes while praying, God's Spirit will remind us of a scripture or a truth in His Word that we can directly apply to whatever situation we're in. Additionally, during those moments when we don't know what to pray for, Romans chapter 8 verses 26 and 27 tell us that His Spirit makes intercession for us. In this modern 21st century Western culture that we live in, people have grown accustomed to speaking over one another and have minimized or or eliminated the importance of, of listening. As Christians, we must understand and never forget the importance of keeping our spiritual ears open to the various ways God wants to communicate with us. Especially during those moments that we're in desperate need of His divine encouragement. Now let's pick up back in our passage and finish up. Actually, we're going to pick up in verse 15 and, and continue to read verse 15 When Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation he bowed in worship he returned to Israel's camp and said get up for the Lord has handed the Midianite camp over to you he then divided the 300 men into 300 com- into three companies and gave each of the men a trumpet in one hand and an empty pitcher with a torch inside it in the other. Watch me, he said, and do the same. When I come to the outpost of the camp, do as I do. When I and everyone with me blow our trumpets, you are also to blow your trumpets trumpets all around the camp. Then you will say for Yahweh and for Gideon. Gideon and the 100 men who were with him went to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle at the beginning of the middle watch after the sentries had been stationed they blew their trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands the three companies blew their trumpets and shattered their pitchers they held their torches in their left hands their trumpets in their right hands and shouted a sword for Yahweh and for Gideon each Israelite took his position around the camp and the entire Midianite army fled and cried as they ran. When Gideon's men blew their 300 trumpets, the Lord set the swords of each man in the army against each other. They fled to Beth Shittah in the direction of Zerera, as far as the border of Abel Meola near Tabath. Then the men of Israel were called from Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh, and they pursued the Midianites. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim with this message, Come down to intercept the Midianites and take control of the watercourses ahead of them as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were called out and they took control of the watercourses as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. They captured Oreb and Zeb, the two princes of Midian. And they killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb while they were pursuing the Midianites. They brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon across the Jordan. You can tell when a man is fully convinced of God's plan by how contagious his motivation and encouragement spreads to others. In this last passage of chapter 7, We it reveals how Gideon could not help but spread the fire of his faith to others, and how he finally became the leader he was destined to become. Now, as we go through this passage, let me ask you: What did Gideon do right away as soon as he heard the dream and its interpretation? Oh, we see that right then and there, right at that outpost he fell on his face and bowed in worship. Surrounded by the enemy, surrounded by the army that he was about to fight, Gideon took the time to honor the Lord by worshiping him. And Again, it wasn't that he was careless. Rather, it shows how much he trusted in God that nothing would happen to him. And guess what? Nothing did. Because we, he, we we're told that he returned back to his camp safely and securely. And when he gets there, we read that he essentially repeats the same words God spoke in verse 9 and then begins to make a strategic plan. That plan consisted of making three companies consisting of 100 men each. He then gives all... 300 men a trumpet to hold in one hand and an empty pitcher with a torch inside to hold with the other hand finally he gives them specific instructions on what they were to do and say by keeping their eyes and ears to him and following his lead and also notice that there is no mention of any weapons being used any swords knives shields nothing of that was mentioned now after the planning was complete, Gideon begins to mobilize his 300 men to go up against the enemy. Now Gideon and the 100 men he was with arrive at the outpost where he had just finished worshipping the Lord a few hours earlier. And now it's night time. The third watch is described as, uh, you can. it's been said that the third watch would be around the 10 p.m. time. 10 at night and this was during the guard during the time the guards did a shift change now typically at 10 p.m during this time many in the camp would be fast asleep the retiring guards would be just completely worn out and the new guards would be still groggy barely waking up to begin their shift Now strategically, this was the ideal conditions for creating considerable confusion in the camp. And without hesitation, Gideon and his 100 men blow their trumpets and break their pitchers. And as soon as they did, the other two companies did the same. With all the noise and the ruckus that was created, we see that Gideon's strategy worked wonderfully. As those 300 men remained in their positions around the camp, the surprised and confused Midianites and their allies began to fight one another. They began to kill one another with their own swords. The author then reminds us that this battle belonged to the Lord and that the confusion of the entire Midianite camp was all His doing. Those who survived this chaotic and confused slaughter retreat east towards and across the Jordan River. Thereafter, it continued to get worse for the Midianites as three additional tribes of Israel were called in to go after them. Now, had they just let them go and had they just said, hey, yeah, we we beat you guys and run away with your tails between your legs, it would have been just a matter of time before they regrouped, before they would have strengthened again and, and continued in the fight, and it would have prolonged the inevitable. But no, they went chase. but Midian and the rest of Israel went chasing after them. Now we're also told that Gideon sent messengers to the tribe of Ephraim to help them cut off the retreat. Now as a result, we're told that Oreb and Zeb these were Medianite field commanders, were captured and killed. Now the fact that Gideon called for backup wasn't due to unbelief or that he began to lose faith in God's promise of victory. You see, although God started the work with a small number of soldiers, once the work began, Gideon wanted as many people to get involved in that work. He wanted the entire nation of Israel To be part of that victory. Now, you and I may not be going up against an actual army of real people with real swords and weapons. We may not be going against physical soldiers. But the Bible tells us that there are spiritual forces we are battling against. In this passage we just read, we can take the keys to Gideon's victory and apply them to our own spiritual battles. And here are four keys to Gideon's victory. Gideon's first first victory was when he let go of his doubts and fears and worshipped God among his enemies. Likewise, if you want to be victorious over your spiritual enemy, let go of your fears and doubts and be bold about your faith in Jesus Christ. Hold tightly to the words God spoke in Isaiah 41, verses 9 and 10 where he said I told as I said to you you are my servant I have chosen you and not rejected you do not fear for I am with you do not be afraid for I am your God I will strengthen you I will help you I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand worship the Lord when you are surrounded by evil forces fear anxiety depression and hate For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Gideon's second key to victory was trusting in the tools God had given him to engage in an enemy much bigger and stronger than his own. Gideon used a trumpet and an empty pitcher with a torch inside to create chaos and confusion within the Midianite camp. In Isaiah 58.1, it says, Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. And in Revelation chapter 4, we see that God's Spirit is described as a fiery torch. And not only that, but in 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're told that when we cleanse ourselves from anything dishonorable, we become like empty vessels for honorable use. Do you see that do you see that you have at your disposal the spiritual weapons necessary to confuse and defeat the spiritual enemy that stands against you you have a voice to boldly proclaim the Word of God to those spiritual enemies and we have the fire of the Holy Spirit in these empty vessels so now the only thing left to do is to stay vigilant For the precise moment Jesus Christ blows his trumpet and raises his torch. And in that moment when he does, it says in Deuteronomy 3.22, You shall not fear them for it is the Lord your God who fights for you. Gideon's third key to victory was that he never allowed the enemy a chance to regroup and and, and recover. James 4.7 says, Therefore submit to God, but resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Once the enemy flees, whether it be depression, anxiety, fear, hate, anger, once the devil flees from you, don't give him an opportunity to win back those areas that God gave you victory. In Colossians 3.5, Paul wrote how you can do that. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your worldly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Let go of it. Fight that enemy. Gideon's fourth key to victory was asking those whom he trusted to help him destroy a weakened enemy in full retreat. You have around you brothers and sisters in Christ you can call on as well to help you Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 and 10 tells us two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts for if either falls his companion can lift him up but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up as brothers and sisters in Christ we can help each other spiritually Right, praying for one another, and practically we can do the same thing. We can help each other by fighting the enemy, by helping them fight an enemy that has been the cause of their spiritual oppression. I really appreciate those brothers in Christ that I have, that I, that 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 God has given me to help fight alongside of me whenever I'm struggling and whenever I'm being spiritually attacked. They pray for me, they encourage me. They give me the strength that I need. And as we end here, we shouldn't lose, fact of, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that God was the one who did all the work to give Gideon and his 300 men the victory. God selected Gideon's army. He gave Gideon the encouragement and he was the one who caused the Midianite camp to fall into chaos and confusion. Gideon and his men just had to get to that place where they trusted in him. God has now given us his son, Jesus Christ, to help us be victorious over our spiritual enemies. When Jesus died, when Jesus Christ died on the cross... He did all the work and he asks us to do the same. He asks us, all he, all he asks us to do is to place our faith and trust in him. He's telling you, let's do this. Let's go fight, let's go fight the enemy. And believe me, I want to, and, and believe me, he will fight for you. He wants to use you. He wants to encourage you. And he wants to show you that he will fight on your behalf. If you've never done so, open the doors of your heart to Jesus Christ today. I'll end with the words written in 1 John chapter 5, chapter five verses 4 and 5. There it says, For every child of God defeats this evil wor- world, and, when, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the son of God God has a plan for you God has a wonderful amazing work that he He ha- wants to do through you he wants to do in you and he wants to do through you but you have to believe in his son Jesus Christ he is he will give you eternal life he died for you He died for your for your sins in order to give you eternal life you just have to trust and believe in him Accept Him as your Lord and Savior and be born again. If that's you, if you're listening or watching and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you want to receive God's forgiveness, you can do that now, but just praying this simple prayer in wherever you're at, in the quietness of your heart, with sincerity. Pray this. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe he died for my sin and that you raised him to life. I want to trust him as my Savior and follow him as my Lord from this day forward. Guide my life and help me to do your will. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you prayed this prayer from the sincerity of your heart, then you are born again, and the Lord will fill you with His Spirit. Trust Him and allow Him to guide you. Surround yourself with believers. Go to uh, find a church that will teach the Bible. Let's end with a word of prayer. Lord God, I. Pray for all those who prayed that, and I pray that you will fill them, Lord, and that you will guide them to uh, good churches where they'll be able to learn your word. I also pray for all those that are here, Lord, all those that are struggling, that you will encourage them. Give them a word of wisdom. Give them a word of love and encouragement. Lord, watch over all of us this week as we go about being the salt and light of this world. May we remember you at all times and at all moments of our lives. Thank you for being our Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving us from the grips of death, Lord, from eternal hell. And thank you you for bringing us into the knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord. us Lord love us and send us out wherever it may be we love you we praise you in Jesus name Amen